It's time for the Noble Capital Radio Hour with the team at Noble Capital Wealth Management, serving you throughout the Austin area and beyond. Featuring the Vice President of Noble Capital Wealth Management, Jess Hamill, and Financial Advisor, Jonathan Berkland. Here's your host, Walter Storholt. Welcome once again to the Noble Capital Radio Hour. Walter Storholt here alongside the great team at Noble Capital Wealth Management, Jonathan Berkland and Jess Hamill, serving you throughout the Austin area. Guys, we're going to flirt with disaster a little bit on today's show. I know that that gets Jess pretty excited. Right, story Jess? Of my oh, life. Oh, man, life. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I usually try to keep us away from disaster, but, you know. And Jess is yeah, the one we can... leading us right into it, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm not flirting. I'm proposing that. Uh, it just sort of catches up with them sometimes, you know. There you go. There you go. We know Jess is the daredevil on the show, but we're going to actually look at flirting with disaster and how we can hopefully not crash and avoid it. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the areas in our financial lives where we might be flirting with disaster and not even know it. So I've got a couple of examples here, guys. I'm curious, how often do you see clients or you know folks that are coming into your office for the first time and you review their plans and you're seeing these kinds of things pop up and folks may not even realize that they're on the edge of something you know, that would majorly impact their financial situation or their portfolio? Uh, first thing that comes to mind for me is they come in, they may have some legal documents and they haven't been updated in a really long time and now they're out of date and it may not sound like a big deal because it's just paperwork, but how big of a deal does that end up being for folks? So, I mean, the closest we would have to that would be not having your will or trust up to date. So yep, it's, it's, yep. it's not up to date, but it's not outdated. It's not like it has an expiration or anything. So I I would say that's one's probably fairly low, relatively speaking, as it relates to your definition. Somebody coming with documents that are outdated or, or have expired. Um, don't see that too often. But I do see people come in with a will that they put together when their oldest kid was five. Uh, right. That was right. applicable to that time in their life and now you know they'll just get 35 and they haven't done anything with it so we do see that a lot yeah yeah or you know you find tr a trust document like a trust that's been created and it, it's not it doesn't own anything right it hasn't been funded <laughs> you know as you'd say and so really it's just a piece of paper that does absolutely nothing for you it really hasn't been implemented correctly and, and maybe it, it needs to be updated itself so lots of times people go and spend money you know um, they go talk to a lawyer they just need a, a will and they get sold a trust yeah, and attorney made more money off the trust don't understand how it works and they think it's going to be just a, a better will or something like that and and you know if 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 you don't have a will but you got a trust instead it doesn't really serve you too well you you, you might be in trouble um, and need to update those documents if you do pass away and your trust isn't funded and you don't have a will it leaves the family in a lurch in, yeah. a, in a situation that's less than, than ideal. They have to go through the whole process of figuring out what to do with it because technically, legally, you haven't stated what to do with it. So. Yeah. But my favorite is when people um, take you know, beneficiary-designated contracts like annuities or 401ks, and they're like, oh, we gotta, we got to do something with this. We don't want to go through probate. I'm like, it already yeah. doesn't go yeah. through probate. Yeah. You yeah. haven't accomplished anything. Yeah, mm -hmm. so we, we see from time to time, it, it's most often probably not a disastrous situation, but it's definitely one that you want to make right. It may not be disastrous for you, but it's certainly going to be a pain for your beneficiaries if, if something's not, you know, teed up just right and all the, the loose ends, you know, sorted out prior to your passing. So definitely something to take a look at. It's definitely one of the things that we talk about and, and walk through with each of our clients to make sure they have that taken care of. If not, we'll, we'll get it figured out for them and refer them to the, the right professional. Since you mentioned beneficiary designations, I think it's probably wise to bring those up in this discussion, too. Now, is this just like a scare tactic to say that some people have incorrect beneficiary designations and, you know, money really could, oh, it's supposed to go to my wife, but it went to my ex-wife instead? Is that just a scare tactic? Or have you seen people before that have had those incorrect 
designations and could lead to major consequences if not careful. Well, that would be a result of not updating. So yeah, you, you put your wife as a beneficiary and then you divorce her and marry somebody else and don't update it. Well, yeah, that's pretty bad on you. <laughs> that's real though. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, I think to your point, Walter, that, that occurs on maybe some of those old 401ks old IRA, old that, that we think yeah. about. We didn't roll over, left them, you know, with the previous employer and sort of forgot about them. You know, it's, it's only $10,000, but that's meaningful down the road, of course. And so you want to make sure, you know, you, you sort of uh, get all those hopefully rolled over into one account. And if not, if you leave them where they are, at least keep track of them and keep them up to date, which can be easier said than done. You know, some, some 401k custodians aren't the easiest and most friendly to deal with from a, a obtaining beneficiaries and running through the paperwork mill uh, perspective. So definitely one of those things that, again, we, we try to, to clean up as people come in and make sure that's all, all buttoned up as they enter the, the phase of retirement, that last phase of life. So here's one thing I have seen, and it's just a matter of, it's a function of the rules of the state of Texas mixed along with just life in general. So you're married, your wife has to be the beneficiary of 401k unless you wanted to make it somebody else, and then she has to sign and get it notarized saying that she's okay with it not being hurt. It's like a big deal for a spouse not to be the beneficiary. Right, right. So you're rock and roll and you got a 401k, your wife's beneficiary, you get divorced. Now to get her off of there, either she's got to sign something saying it's okay, or you've got to get your decree, go get a certified copy, and then bring it down to give it to the 401k administrator, which I mean, it sounds like it's not a big deal. When you're in the middle of a divorce, you're moving out, and you know it's like your life's in chaos, and that, that stuff gets thrown in the corner. It ends up being more trouble than it's worth and people put it off and it doesn't happen and right. five years goes by and yep. all of a sudden you know something happens to you and boom your ex-wife's getting your 401k yep yep so it, it can happen so definitely if you had those those big life changes occur, it's, it's something that we kind of poke and prod just to find out we're not trying to invade your privacy we just really want to make sure you we get you sorted out because it can happen especially if you just let it go and forget about it we're talking about areas of your financial life where you might be flirting with disaster with Jess Hamill and Jonathan Berkland. I'm Walter Storholt. And, guys, we've got to bring up taxes here. And you may have heard the term before, the ticking tax time bomb, or the fact that you might have a tax time bomb hanging out inside of your portfolio. What is that, if people have kind of heard that term before, and how big of a deal is that for folks flirting with disaster with some, some tax implications here? As far as I'm concerned, it's huge. So anybody that listens to the radio or to the show knows that I'm not big on tax-deferred accounts for anybody that has a sizable portfolio because you're just you know kicking the can down the road and you're likely going to be in a higher tax bracket later. Yeah, that's a pretty big deal. The, the, the whole deal with tax-deferred, the notion came about in the late 70s when retirement meant you went home and sat on the couch and played with the grandkids. So everybody's thought process was I, when I retire, I won't be working, therefore I won't have income, so I'll be in a lower tax bracket, so I won't pay the tax now, I'll pay it later. Problem is, we've got two issues there. One, we've got tax brackets swinging up and down depending on who's in the White House. And two, nowadays, most people are living at least the lifestyle in retirement that they were in their working years. So if they've squirreled away a couple million dollars in a tax-deferred IRA, now every penny that's coming out of it is going to be taxable at the rate that they're being taxed at that level. So you know, if you're used to living on two hundred grand, you retire, you start living a little larger, now you're on two hundred fifty grand. you pop into the next tax bracket, and all that uh, tax-deferred savings you got back Earlier, when you were probably in the 20% tax bracket, now you're paying at it at 32%. Right, so right. That's, that's the tax time bomb that we always talk it, about. And it is a time bomb. I mean, there, there's certain things you can do leading up into retirement, namely Roth conversions, mm -hmm. if you can stomach it, to try to get some of those taxes paid at a lower tax bracket. But, you know, we're not magic. We can't make taxes go away. We certainly don't promote not paying your fair share of taxes because you wind up in a, this place called jail. Um, not a great place to be. 
and so you know it's 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 one of those things where you know there is no magic solution we can make it more efficient and better but it's definitely a, a time bomb that can go off and it's certainly something to address and just make sure we try to make as efficient for you as possible if you are in that case of of having those big tax deferred accounts you know props to you for saving that money but it can be a little bit painful if you if you're looking to have that higher income in retirement yeah so poor planning puts you in there and with proper planning we can get you out of it we i can't change taxes you're going to pay the tax no matter what but we have plenty of tricks to pay it at 10 or 12 percent instead of 32 percent and yes. you know a good example would be so if i if i catch you before retirement you're approaching retirement you're living on 100 grand a year you got 300 grand in the bank that's perfect first two years of retirement live off of savings you have no income whatsoever convert all of your traditional ira to roth up to the 12 percent tax bracket you know let's let's move it over there where it's not an issue yeah. Um, or and even then, 22. It, I mean, even it, 22, yeah. a little higher. You're right. not paying 35, you know, 37 exactly. percent. Yeah. And then, it, and then it comes back to you've heard me say this before too. You know, everybody says the biggest risk is the stock market. No way. The biggest risk is who's going to be in the White House when you retire. Exactly. So yeah. We are in the lowest tax brackets, not only in my lifetime, but in the history of the IRS. The IRS was born in 1863, and today we are the lowest tax brackets that have ever existed. So if I plan my retirement based on my tax situation now and I retire in 15 years and we have Bernie Sanders in there, I know for one thing, um, you know, half of what I thought was going to be taxed is going to be double now. Yeah, I mean, regardless of your political affiliation, there's there's just certain things we can expect depending on, you know, the changing of the guard, so to speak. And one thing's for sure, we don't expect tax rates to go down. So now's a great time to do some tax planning, some Roth conversions, things of that, that nature. As you're leading up and, and get coming into retirement, or if you're already in retirement, it's just the right time to, to take action. You don't want that time bomb, or you want to try to minimize that so, quote-unquote time bomb as much as possible. Right, and, so I'm, and I'm not endorsing anybody or putting anybody down. I think we can all agree that if Bernie Sanders is in office, we will have higher taxes. Whether you agree with that or not is a whole other story. Sure. But the point was, depending on who's in there, we could be in a completely different tax situation than we'll be planned for. So we may have planned very, very well and have enough money to meet our budget just right, and then all of a sudden twice as much that was going to go to tax is now going to tax, and that totally upsets the apple cart. Yep, yep. So if you have any questions regarding uh, any of these issues as you potentially edge toward disaster or perhaps feel you're edging towards disaster, I encourage you to come out and see us. Visit us at one of our retirement dinners in and around town where we talk about taxes, of course, but also income planning as a whole and overall retirement planning. Get to know us a little bit better. Get to learn how we practice and operate. And if you want to, take us up on the opportunity to come meet us in our office for a one-on-one consultation where we get to know you and your portfolio and we can really talk strategy and, and work to help you out and put that retirement plan together. All you have to do is pick up the phone and call or text to get in touch with Jonathan Berkland and Jess Hamill and the team at Noble Capital Wealth Management serving you throughout the Austin area. And you can RSVP for one of those upcoming dinner and discussion seminars. Have dinner on us and a great discussion about your retirement, especially as it revolves around some of the common retirement mistakes that people make. Things like, you know, not accounting for taxes, like we talked about, uh, the annuity trap, the problem with investing as if you're still working, and one of the big ones, procrastination. You want to make sure that you are not making these kinds of mistakes. So we're going to cover them at an upcoming dinner and discussion seminar here in the area. To find out where the next events are going to be and to RSVP, you can call or text 512-492-3800 is the number. Call or text us and let us know you're interested in coming to an event, 512-492-3800. And you can also sign up online right now at ncwealth.com. That's ncwealth.com. It's a dinner and discussion seminar with Jess and Jonathan and the team at Noble Capital Wealth Management, ncwealth.com, or call or text us at 512-492-3800. You're listening to the Noble Capital Radio Hour. 
1370. You're listening to the Noble Capital Radio Hour with Jess Hamill and Jonathan Berkland. Let's get back to the show with your host, Walter Storholt. Got another great question today here on the mailbag. This is the Noble Capital Radio Hour. Walter Storholt alongside Jess Hamill, Jonathan Berkland, the team at Noble Capital Wealth Management. We love answering your questions on the show, and if you'd like to submit a question to be considered for a future edition of the Mailbag here on the Noble Capital Radio Hour, you can call or text your questions to 512-492-3800. That's 512-492-3800. We're heading over to Pflugerville for today's question from Steve. Steve says, we had kids later in life than most people, so they'll still be in college when we're ready to retire. Should we just make them get student loans instead of trying to come up with the money to pay tuition after we've already retired? Ooh, that's a that's, a, that's a difficult one, man. You know, I'd say make them do it the way I did it. I paid for it myself. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I'd say definitely either um, self-fund it on their side or a combination of that and student loans. But depending on the size of your portfolio, if you have ample funds to retire on and then some, you know, it's going to be a personal choice. But I would not personally cut into my retirement funds if I'm close to uh, pay for an education that I think can be paid for otherwise. Right. I think it comes back to income. You know, if you're able to kind of, if you have your income plan put together and you know, you're good for the rest of your life and then you have some additional funds over here on the side, you know, if, if it's no difference to you between going out and buying a new car or paying for a year's worth of tuition, then maybe out of the goodness of your heart, if it makes you feel good, you go ahead and pay that tuition. But in doing so, it's not going to impact your overall income plan. You already know that. So if you if you have sort of that that ease or, or ability to, to do that sort of on the side, so to speak, then, then it's an easier decision to make. If it's going to cut into your retirement income and uh, perhaps put you in a position where you're looking back at your kids, maybe asking for help towards the end of the road, it's, it's, it's better served probably taking care of yourself, right? Self first so you can help take care of others. And I think that's the right mindset. So, you know, there's, a, there's another option there and that's, you know, use some of that retirement money and gamble it a little bit and, <laughs> them, you know, launch a rock star, uh, a doctor or a lawyer or something that can then pay you back and then some by taking care of you towards the later years. I thought you were going to say you run down to the casino or something. So no, you took no, that in a better direction no, than not, the, uh, I'm not a big gambler. Either. I agree. Yes. That would not be wise, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it is up to you at the end of the day, but uh, like I said, I think you know looking out for yourself first is not necessarily selfish in this scenario. It is, it's what's best, I think, in their overall situation. And if you can make it happen, then great, awesome. Yeah, I mean, I'd hate to see I'd hate to see somebody at eighty five losing their house or kind of destitute, not knowing where they're going because you know some kids have partied for four years really yeah. hard. Yeah, but you can't really make the call in, unless you kind of have your, your overall plan figured out, right? right. So um, if you don't have that income plan, come see us. Come out to an event. Come to one of our dinners and hang out with us, see if you like us, see how we plan. We talk about a lot about what we do and how we do it and give you the opportunity to come out and, and see us in the office where we can talk about your specific situation and really talk through these types of scenarios and, and see what we can or can't make happen and, and put it all on paper and make it make sense. So I encourage you to definitely take us up on that. This is kind of like one of those, uh, you know, airplane uh, pieces of advice where it's put your own mask on first before you help yes. those next to you, right? That's exactly. It. That's it. Yeah, and in a way, you're you're not being selfish by doing that. You're making the conscious decision that will benefit everybody around you. So it's a good question, Steve. But we want to make sure that we don't get distracted by you know having too much debt in retirement and that taking away from the overall plan. Uh, really good question. If you want to learn more about some of the mistakes that people make when it comes to retirement, how you can of course avoid those mistakes, we invite you to come to one of our dinner and discussion seminars. You can have dinner on us and learn a little bit about retirement along the way. You'll learn about the danger of not 
having an income plan in retirement. We'll also show you some case studies that'll show you some great examples of the planning process in action. We'll discuss all that and much more. If you want to see the list of upcoming events and RSVP on the website or from your smartphone, go to ncwealth.com. That's ncwealth.com. Or you can call or text 512-492-3800 to ask about upcoming events that way as well. Call or text 512-492-3800 or go online to ncwealth.com. You're tuned in to the Noble Capital Radio Hour. Do you have a question for the Noble Capital team? Give us a call at 512-492-3800 to get some answers. That's 512-492-3800 or online at ncwealth.com. This is the Noble Capital Radio Hour. Walter Storholt here alongside Jonathan Berklin and Jess Hamill, the great team at Noble Capital Wealth Management, serving you throughout the Austin area. And this is the mailbag portion of the show where we answer your questions from across the area. If you'd like to submit a question to be possibly featured on a future show, you can call or text 512-492-3800. That's 512-492-3800. We're going to Austin for this question from Carl. It's short and sweet, guys. Carl says, is it wise for me to own some gold in my portfolio? What percentage do you think is usually appropriate? Is it wise to own some in your portfolio? I believe so. Yes. From a percentage standpoint, that's a wide open question. I don't know if there is any rule of thumb on that one. A little mixture of gold, a little mixture of silver, um, some stuff that you can you know, keep in a safe, keep off the books, um, have something to, to barter or trade with if uh, things don't go the way we want <laughs> apocalypse to. Apocalypse comes. <laughs> well, not necessarily an apocalypse, but I mean, you know, things happen, uh, you know, electromagnetic pulse, I mean, all kinds of stuff. But, you know, I, I went through my gold phase back in the 90s when there was 275, 285 an ounce, and I was buying, you know, three ounces, three or four ounces a month, whatever it was, to keep it over $1,000 so there was no sales tax on it. And I accumulated a pretty nice uh, stack of bars in my closet. And the price started going up and going up and going up, and it hit about 600. And I'm looking at history going, it's, this is the highest it's ever been. And I couldn't contain myself, and I sold it all, and then it got up to 1,800. So <laughs> yeah. um, I would say if you've got it, sit on it. And, uh, you know, worst case scenario, you pass it on down to the next generation. Yes. I don't know that I would buy any at, at this point um, yes. additional because the price is pretty high. Good little little hedge to have in the safe, basically. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I um, it's not something you can necessarily build an income plan around. So it's just uh, – Something to add to sort of that uh, alternative bucket, that little piece of your portfolio to, to, like we said, just a nice little hedge to have in the safe. So I wouldn't go overboard on it. Just maybe a percentage pointed to your portfolio, perhaps, um, might be the, the place to start at least. Um, and then if it's something that you absolutely love and want to go for it, certainly uh, consider the rest of your retirement plan before doing so and making sure that uh, you have everything else buttoned up. But yeah, it certainly right. has it's, a, a It's all those hard assets that... You don't know. You don't know if it's going to go up or down. You know, you could mm-hmm. be sitting on a couple of pounds of it right now, and by the time you need to access it, you could you know be up seventy percent, or it could drop down to fifty percent of where you are. So, if you've already got it, keep it. If you're thinking about going and buying some, I would I would go more towards silver and maybe just a little bit of gold. Are you looking at people getting actual, like, you know, gold coins or gold bars? Or are we talking about you buy gold, but then you don't actually ever see the physical gold? You just get a certificate that says how much gold you have? Do you guys get that detailed into the conversations with? Yeah, I don't like that. I mean, if I want to buy it, I want to have it. So I was buying one ounce ingots. Credit Swiss First Bank. I don't know, man. It was a weird combination of, but anyway, I stuck the same. They're just little one ounce rectangular um, gold ingots that are. Essayed. They have a serial number on them. 
and you can you know trade them just like anything else. You don't have to worry about getting them assayed or anything. It's already it's certified and in a little package. Yeah, yeah, you can have your, your hands on it, put it in the safe, that sort of thing. Yeah. That, that's a little bit less complicated, in my opinion. When you get to the point where you can buy a pound, um, now you're talking. Now talking. <laughs> <laughs> that pound of go. gold, just show up. Uh, yeah. Buy your next car by just dropping exactly. some gold on the table. Right. <laughs> Great way to utilize that for a future purchase. Uh, no, just kidding. Uh, so, And that goes kind of the same for any precious metals that somebody would ask you about. I mean, how, how often are you guys talking about those kinds? of investments with people who walk through your doors pretty pretty often but it's not something we okay. i mean we listed in the in the uh, asset list it's not something we really plan yeah with it's not something we use for, for income it's yeah. just a, it's something cool yeah most side. people it's five percent and often less you know of their portfolio sometimes a lot less but it's it's never uh, i don't think we've ever come across anybody where that's like just a huge part of their overall portfolio. It, it tends to be sort of just a little piece and it works perfectly fine. It's just that, you know, I uh, think the biggest, um, out of the portfolios I've seen here at Noble, the biggest cache of gold I've seen is maybe five, $600,000 worth. And that was considered in my opinion, huge. And the next, yeah. the next biggest one was probably $60,000. Right. Right. Yeah. So most of the time you're, you're in this, the, the five figure range and it, it doesn't really get beyond that for most people. Well, great question, Carl. Thanks for sending that one in to us today on the Noble Capital Radio Hour. And if you'd like to learn more about what makes up a great financial plan and also learn some of the common retirement mistakes that people make and how you can avoid them, things like procrastination and falling into the annuity trap and not paying enough attention to the tax implications that are going to be playing a role in your portfolio, come and attend one of our dinner and discussion seminars where you can not only learn some great retirement information, but also have dinner on us at a great restaurant here in the Austin area. You can go to ncwealth.com to see the list of upcoming events and to RSVP. That's ncwealth.com. Or you can call or text 512-492-3800. That's 512-492-3800. You're listening to the Noble Capital Radio Hour. It's getting to know you time. Time to get to know Jess Hamill and Jonathan Berkland a little bit better on today's show. Guys, today's a fun question. What was your first pet? Tell us about it. Uh, I have to thank my grandmother for for the first pet. She's uh, an avid garage sailor and uh, found this lovely, completely beat up old hamster cage. And, And so for the summer, we stayed with my grandparents and we went over there one day, and, and they had the whole setup, the hamster cage and the straw and all that kind of fun stuff you put in the bottom. And, and we got told we're going to go to the pet store and, and pick out our, our first pet, our, our hamster. And my grandmother named it Dude. Dude, dude, <laughs> the hamster. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know how that oh, happened, man. but I want to party with her. His name was Dude. So Dude, dude the hamster, it was a, he was a great, great creature, great first pet for sure. Uh, what about you, Jess? So, you know, I never did the hamster, guinea pig, any of that kind of stuff. I, my, my dad just wouldn't wouldn't go for it. But I got a cockatiel when I was 11, and that thing wow. lasted for 22 years. His name was General Lee. He had a talent. I don't know if I can say it on the air, but he could he could stand up and hold one of his paws up and his middle <laughs> finger would stick up on on command. It was pretty cool. It was a great great party trick when I was 12, 13, 14 years old. Wow. Um, and in a very difficult part of my life when I was 
33, I came home one day and he was laying feet up on the bottom of the cage. So I was pretty oh. disappointed about that. We got we got 22 years out of him, so we had a That's whole lot a of That's a long life. Yeah, wow. it really was. And it's amazing how long birds, they, they do have uh, great lifespans, most of them. So they, yeah, they make good went, long-term pets that way. Junior high, high school, college, well into my career. Uh, he lasted wow. a long time. Wow. Yeah, he, was, he was a good you bird. Could have done, you could have done, I had no idea. I mean, that's that's something I never knew about you. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Member of the family. And, and what was the name again? General? General Lee. General Lee. Oh, he was, he was great. Lee. had a great coat. Yeah. <laughs> Too funny. Well, there you go. The first pets of Jess Hamill and Jonathan Berkland. Fun getting to learn about you guys on today's show. We'll get back to all the financial talk coming up next. Stay tuned. Answering your mailbag questions on today's show. This is the Noble Capital Radio Hour. Walter Sorholt alongside Jess Hamill and Jonathan Berkland. Uh, serving you throughout the Austin area. We've got another question from a listener here. If you'd like to submit a question to the show, call or text one to 512-492-3800. Again, 512-492-3800. Laura says, it's a short and sweet question for you guys. I'm fearful of market crashes. Should I just put everything in cash to take away the worry? Ooh. Ooh. Uh, you know, we call that losing your money safely. Yes. yes. <laughs> so at the at the very least, assuming a 3% inflation rate, you're losing 3% per year right off the bat by doing that. Um, there are plenty of guaranteed options out there that at least keep up with inflation. So just pulling it out of the market and going to straight cash, you know, that'll give you an underlying feeling of security for a short period of time, but, but you probably ought to put that money somewhere. Just letting it sit there in cash is not going to do any good. Yeah, I, I will say, though, we've had a few clients come into us in that situation. Hey, I was in the market. I didn't like it. Uh, I want to pull out and I want to reconsider my options. Maybe I do go back into the market a little bit, but I want to I want to plan, not just a, a hope. So we get people coming in in that situation exactly. So so maybe that is the right way to go, but that's step one of, of two or three. You know, the next step should be, hey, give us a call and let us put a plan together for you and, and put some of that money back to work in a productive way rather than just sitting on under the mattress. Yeah, the bare minimum, we have things you can do. I mean, if you just want to have zero risk, we have places to put it that at least keep up with inflation, no fees, and you're not going to lose anything. Yeah, there's always a, a better option than cash. Is that a common problem with people having too much money in cash? Sounds like a good problem to have, but in retirement planning, it's it's really an issue, right? Sometimes, and, and it's a, it's an emotional thing. People come in, and they've been stockpiling cash, and they'll have three, four, five dollars $500,000 sitting in their checking account. And they know that that's not the best place for it. They know they're not making anything. But as soon as you want to put it somewhere, they have that emotional attachment to liquidity. And we have that conversation all the time. They're, they're like, oh, well, you know, I, I, I've got $400,000 available to me. And I say, well, are you going to go spend three or 400 grand on anything? Have you ever done that at one time? And they say, well, no. I said, okay, well, then there you go. Let's, let's put it somewhere where it performs. But we are constantly overcoming emotions. Um, and it's typically irrational emotions. A big problem there with cash. Uh, whenever cash and emotions, uh, they, they certainly collide all the time, I think, sure. uh, the way that we uh, hear you guys talk about it here on the show. Certainly a common issue. Great question, Laura. If you have any questions about your own financial situation, maybe a similar one to Laura, maybe something else that's on your mind, reach out to Jess and Jonathan here at Noble Capital Wealth Management. The number to call is 512-492-3800. You can also text a question in to the guys. We don't have to feature it on the radio show either, by the way. If you just want to ask them uh, privately your own questions about your financial life, 512-492-3800 is the number. 512-492-3800. You're listening to the Noble Capital Radio Hour. Thanks for joining us on the Noble Capital Radio Hour. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Jess Hamill and Jonathan Berklin, the great team at Noble Capital Wealth Management, serving you throughout the Austin area. Find us online by going to ncwealth.com. That's ncwealth.com. 
Well, guys, just like any decisions in life, making financial decisions would be a lot easier with the benefit of something called hindsight. After all, hindsight we know is 2020. Let's talk about some of the things we might hear from people who wish they'd done things differently after looking in the rearview mirror. So here's how it'll work. I'll throw out a potential statement that I bet you've heard in the office at some point in time over the last couple of years. You let us know why that really you know, gives us that 2020 hindsight feeling when we hear things like this and how you help people plan around some of these concerns and how we can avoid future financial mistakes that might also sound like this. Uh, here's a great example. We'll go back to the, the 2008 stock market crash. And I bet you hear these days somebody saying something like, you know, I got really scared after 2008 and I put my money in cash. Well, now I'm kicking myself because, boy, I missed a great decade in the stock market. Anybody fit that description? I don't think I've seen too many people that cashed out and stayed cashed out. I know a lot of people wigged out and, and cashed out, and then you know it came back, and they're back buying their portfolio at forty cents on the dollar. But yeah, I mean, in any crash, unless we're looking at an economic crash, I, you know, I, I say stick with it, or, or if you if you have the means, buy more. You know, it's a it's a buy low and sell high scenario. But I don't think I've had anybody that actually cashed out and stayed cashed out for very long. Yeah, I mean, the, the ride's been so good for so long now that at some point most people have jumped back on. I think a lot of people's real question is, when do I jump yeah, off yeah, right exactly. now? You know, I got back on at some point. Do I jump back off, though, here coming up here sometime soon and when? And that's when we break out our fake little crystal ball and say, I wish this were real and we could predict the future. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I tell people the same thing. Don't get greedy. It's uh, you know, there's never a good time to come out of the market. The market's up. You don't want to come out because it's up. You're doing great. Market's down. You don't want to come out because you can wait for it to come back up. You're losing money. So it's a matter of just looking at the run. If we're, you know, a decade into a nice bull market and you've done well and you think it's, it's time to count your blessings and pull out then go for it. You know, some people are afraid to leave some money on the table and then they're also afraid the second it dives down, then they can't come out. So, yeah. you know, if we could predict the future, then everything would be great. Right. But in order to avoid sort of the, the, I wish I'd done differently. I mean, recognize changes in your life. If, if you're going to retire, that means you don't have an income anymore. It means you're going to be drawing down on existing assets. So if, if you're going through life changes, definitely reassess your, your investment strategy, of course, always. So maybe you're going through that right now and it might just coincide, you know, with that it's, it's a good time to pull out of the market because we're doing something different. We have different investment goals right now. So just pay attention. Don't get too, as Jess said, greedy and focused on any one thing within your overall plan. We, we may not see you guys hearing this one as much these days, but it kind of falls into the similar vein. You heard it probably a lot right after that 2008 time frame. And those who did indeed pull out of the market and then, you know, not get back in soon enough or were trying to time the market. Folks who say the kind of thing like, you know, I wish we'd known how much risk we had in our portfolio before we took that big loss. But the big thing is people need to be asking that question now. Not yes. until the yeah. next all the time, all, all the time. time. Yeah. How do you yeah. how do you not know how much risk you have in there? I mean, that's Absolutely. a pretty simple yeah. Uh, equation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, the 2008 market crash. That's like the the picture child example for for how much risk you have. I mean, the, there's various software that that use that as an example for you know the the worst market loss you can possibly put a portfolio through, which. We don't know that to be true or not. It could be it could be worse than that. But the bottom line is it is the sort of the poster child for a, a bad loss. And, and unfortunately, it takes remembering that for people to sit back and really think about their portfolio and, and really look at the risk that they're taking. But, you know, if that's effective and it gets you to think about it, then great. But definitely you want to make sure you understand the risk that you're taking. Um, we've had a great run here and that can really I don't know, like make you numb. 
you know, you just kind of expect the gains, you expect the the nice ride to continue. So don't don't get numb to that. Um, you, you don't know when it's going to change. We, it will. I will say we're in uncharted waters here. At the end of the day, as, as Walter's kind of bringing up, it, it's important to just assess where you're at on the on the risk spectrum and make sure it matches your overall investment objectives. And that that's really where everything starts with us, kind of bringing it back home to what are we trying to accomplish and not not let anything get too out of whack, so to speak. Yeah, and don't forget, you know, the things that you. The set it and forget it. The long term investments that yeah. you've had for a long time. Remember, maybe it's, maybe that long time is <laughs> kind of yeah. it's like the stuff that I bought. You know, twenty five years ago, I was like, oh god, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna worry about the swings. I'm, this is my long term deal. These are my yeah. big you know big stocks that I know are gonna be around. Then twenty twenty five years goes by real quick. That's so right. make sure you're not at the end of your That's long. It. Your, your time horizon is different now. Yeah. yeah, it might be different. Exactly, exactly. So recognize those changes and, and act accordingly. It might be time to just uh, reassess. Yeah, it's a great point. And uh, you know what they say, uh, timing is everything, except in the stock market. We don't want to time the stock market. <laughs> yes. <laughs> stock That's right. Well, we want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If we, if we could, yeah. <laughs> right. Don't, but we want to, but don't. Uh, don't try to do yeah, that. Yeah, don't try anyways. Yeah. Right, right. That's right. A big difference between can and, and, and yeah, want. And want. Or, yeah, or yeah. should and want. Right? That's exactly right. Um, here's another one, guys. Uh, I didn't really understand my options with Social Security. You know what? And now I realize I should have waited to start taking it later. How many folks almost make that mistake before they come in to meet with you, before they kind of realize what is indeed the correct Social Security strategy to take? You know, I don't know that there is a correct one. Um, the correct one is the one that, that fits your needs the most. Yeah. Uh, most of the clients that come in the door, when they come in the door, their their thought process on timing their Social Security is, when can I start it so that when I die, I've gotten the most out of it. They're, yeah. they're, they're all worried about, they're emotionally attached to it. They've been piling into this thing for their whole life. And they're trying to run the numbers to figure out what gets them the most out of it. And I tell them the same thing. You know, you tell me what day you're going to die, and I'll tell you exactly when to start. But if you can't tell me that, then it's all speculative. So quit focusing on trying to get the most out of it and focus on what time makes the most sense. You know, don't, yeah. When do you need the income? Yeah. Yeah. Don't delay an 8% increase and start spending down something that's making you 15%. Right, right. I mean, there's some people that, you know, if, if you're going to work past full retirement age and you don't need the income, then don't take it. If, if you retired at 55 years old, then good for you. Congratulations. But you might need to start that early at 62, you know, and get that income stream going. It, it really depends upon your, your situation. But like Jess is saying, there's more to it than just that emotional desire to get the most out of it as possible. Of course, we'd love that. But at the end of the day, it's there to be a supplemental income stream for you and use it as such, you know, don't defeat yourself by playing some game that doesn't exist. It really comes down to your income plan and, and when you need the income, when it makes the most sense. And that's where we really get excited about helping you plan and figure out what makes the most sense for you. And I have, I can say that probably 40%, if not more of the clients that we put plans together for when we show them what we're recommending as the timing for the social security is, is, a lot different than what they had in mind already. Right. Yep. And when we explain why, I was like, wow, yeah, that actually makes a whole lot more sense. Yep. Yep. So if, if you're out there wondering, when do I elect Social Security, or maybe you're one of those that thought, I just have to get the most out of it, and that's the only way to take it, come to one of our dinner events. We, we talk about Social Security there. We talk about all forms of, of income planning, how we operate, um, and, and some of the mistakes that we see people making, and give you the opportunity to come visit us here in our office and sit down and talk one-on-one -on -one about your individual situation and, and do some Social Security planning and, and much, much more. So come out and see us. Uh, Walter will give you the details, but we do look forward to, to having you out. All you have to do is go to ncwealth.com and you can sign up for an upcoming event in the area for the list of events and RSVP. It's right there on the website, ncwealth.com. 
Go there right now from your smartphone to sign up or visit the website on your computer, ncwealth.com. And you can also call or text 512-492-3800 to ask for more details on the Dinner and Discussion Seminars. Call or text 512-492-3800. Jonathan and Jess are going to walk you through the common retirement mistakes and how to avoid them. Things like talking about taxes, the annuity trap, the danger of not having an income plan, and then I'm going to show you some great case studies of how the planning process works. You'll get to see it in action. All at the Dinner and Discussion Seminars, you get to have some great food and great conversation as well. So go to ncwealth.com or call or text 512-492-3800. You're tuned in to the Noble Capital Radio Hour. Talk 13-7, the right choice. Want to have a great meal on us and learn a little about retirement at the same time? Go to ncwealth.com to see our list of upcoming dinner events. You can reserve a spot right there online. Just go to ncwealth.com to RSVP. Come hungry. We'll see you there. You're listening to the Noble Capital Radio Hour. Walter Sorholt alongside Jonathan Berkland and Jess Hamill. Noble Capital Wealth Management Team in the Austin area, serving you each and every weekend here on the radio and each and every day in the office. If you want to get in touch with the team, you can always call or text 512-492-3800. Ask about upcoming events in the area where you can come have dinner on us and some great discussion about retirement planning at the same time. 512-492-3800. Guys, we've talked on the show before about hindsight and how it's always 2020. I'm curious if we can go through a, a couple more examples here about folks who have come into your office, maybe had some regrets or maybe realized that if they'd done things differently, they'd be in a better financial position today. And maybe we can learn from the mistakes that led them to kind of that regret a little bit. Uh, what about folks who say things like, you know, I should have put more money in a Roth IRA instead of saving so much in my 401k? They get to the end of their you know, working lives and they realize they've got this big tax bill, that ticking tax time bomb, kind of sitting in their portfolio, I guess. Now you're talking what I preach every day. I'm not a big fan of tax-deferred retirement money for the higher net worth folks because you know it's just going to all be taxed. I've had so many clients that come in that have been plowing everything with their 401ks their entire lives, the husband and the wife, and they come in with you know, $3 million in an IRA that's rolled over from their 401ks and $20,000 in the bank, and that's all. And they're proud of it. I'm like, look, look how good we did. I'm like, congratulations. Every penny that you spend for the rest of your life is taxable. And, uh, you know, if the tax rates increase at some point from 30 to 60% in your effective tax bracket, you just lost half your portfolio. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, most, most people in retirement don't want to spend less money than they currently spend while they're working. You know, generally speaking, you want at least a consistent level of, of lifestyle. And, and for some people, it's, it's more. So in a lot of scenarios, your income doesn't necessarily go down in retirement and, and people kind of forget that. And of course, as just alluded to there, we don't have control over our tax rates above and beyond who we elect as our represented officials. And, and even that doesn't always uh, service as, as well as we'd like to. So we really don't know what tax rates are going to do, but we do know they're some of the lowest that we've ever seen right now. So it's Roth conversions. Yeah. We, yeah. They're, they're likely to go up in the future. So, you know, contributing to those Roth accounts when you can, I mean, that's absolutely uh, on point. Unfortunately, people don't do enough of that. And, and people kind of forget about that backdoor option too. You, even if you're you're not able to contribute to a Roth just from an income standpoint. You can't contribute to a, a traditional IRA and, and convert that over either within, you know, short term or sometime down the line when you can find a suitable time to pay those taxes at a, at a rate that you can stomach and swallow. But it's an important thing, you know, even if you're 
you know, just a couple years out from retirement. Something's better than nothing. So if you can, if you can either contribute to a Roth or work on those conversions, I mean, go ahead and do it. Don't, don't wait on it. You know, kind of like Walter brought up whoever has those, um, regrets. I mean, that's, that's not a place you want to be. So prepare for success. Let's put it this way. There's, uh, only so much room taxes can go down. There's yes. a lot of room for taxes to go up. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Like interest rates. That's right. Yeah. It can't go very much uh, lower on the interest rate deal. So you kind of can guess, sure, maybe it'll stay the same. But uh, if it's going to move, it's got a little bit more likelihood to go in one direction over the others. Regardless of what you think politically, it's it's a possibility that we, we have to plan for. And yeah. unfortunately, it's like Justice saying, out of our control. So those Roth, those Roth IRAs really come in handy. Yeah. If we can't control the larger movements, at least control the things that we can control. And that is where your money's invested and what happens to it right now. And uh, you do have some power and control over that. So utilize those things that are at your disposal there. Another great example of hindsight being 2020 when it comes to retirement planning, guys, is someone who comes into your office and says, you know what, I probably retired too early. Now it's hard to make ends meet, so I might go back to work. Or I'm, I'm worried now about running out of money because I pulled the trigger too early on retirement. Is planning that retirement date part of the whole planning process that you guys walk people through? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> yes. yes yeah, there's, yeah. there's the two questions we get the most are when can I retire yeah. or can, can I retire? I retire? <laughs> right, right. Um, but, yeah, and it's sad when you see somebody that pulls the trigger early. You know, your biggest enemy is also your most wanted asset, longevity, and it's hitting you twice. So if you if you think of just use 65 as your standard, even though it's not really the standard anymore, and you decide to retire instead at 55, not only have you added 10 more years that you're having to live off your retirement savings, you've wiped out probably the most productive 10 years of contribution to those same savings. So it's probably, when it all works out, a 300% difference in, in what's in your portfolio by retiring 10, 10 years early. So if you're living on $100,000 and you have a $5 million portfolio, you want to retire at 55, go for it, no problem. Yeah. But if you are trying to live at and maintain the same lifestyle that you're used to or maybe even exceed that a little bit, if you're anywhere under 2 $3 million and your age starts with a five, you can just pretty much forget about it. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you're doing your, your planning, it's important to work with an advisor who, who doesn't believe in the over promise under deliver motto, you know, some, something along the lines of sure, I can, I can get you 15% return now until forever and go ahead and make that early retirement. I mean, that's, that's just not something you can really build a, a, a good retirement plan around. You, you want somebody who's going to think conservatively, who's going to really talk to you about safe or even guaranteed income streams, something to really um, supplement your social security income. It all comes back to the to overall income plan. You really want to, to put an income plan together that, that makes sense that you can understand and you believe is going to work because without that, you're just shooting in the dark. Kind of, kind of like, you know, the, this poor individual who's having to go back to work. It's just, it's not somewhere you want to wind up. So spend the time before you retire to plan it out. Don't just make the jump. Um, that's, that's a little disconcerting when somebody walks in our office and we've had plenty of success stories, but Hey, I just retired. Now I need a plan. It's like, Whoa, <laughs> can we back up a year or two here? You know, and, and do it then. And don't, and don't forget your, uh, you know, how appealing you are at various ages. So, you know, at 55, you're in a career you've been in for 20 or 25 years. You've got some clout. You're not going anywhere. Nobody's going to fire you. You're very successful. And you decide to pull the trigger. And 10 years later, you go, man, I shouldn't have done that. And now you're 65 out looking for a job. Good luck with that. Yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna start where you've yeah, left you're, off. Yeah, you're picking up that dog. <laughs> no. Walmart greeters and the you know Home Depot, and I'm I'm being only a little bit silly there. I mean, seriously, uh, once you get up into you know 
that age frame, um, your options are limited on on where you're going to go pick up a career level job. You know, exactly, most can, people are going to figure you got four or five years left in you. Nobody's going to want to invest the uh, time and energy into that. It can be tough. Yes, I mean, moral of the story is put a retirement plan together before you retire, and, and let it be one that you have a lot of confidence in. If if you're doing it alone without an advisor, that's tough. That's just yeah. probably you, at least you know bounce it off of somebody, get a second opinion. I mean, it usually doesn't go well without a plan, right? Failing to prepare is preparing to fail. So if you find yourself out there without a retirement plan or you're, you're wanting to retire but you haven't yet really devoted a lot of time to retirement planning or found yourself an advisor to work with, we really encourage you to come out and join us at one of our dinner events where we feed you, most importantly, yeah. but uh, we give you some information about who we are, what we do, how we how we operate, and the, the types of retirement plans that we put together and talk through some of the mistakes that we do see people making out there. And uh, most importantly, give you the opportunity to come see us in person at our office where we can talk one-on-one about your particular situation and dive into the details and, and hopefully put a plan together for you that gives you lots of success in retirement. So take advantage of the opportunity. Come out and see us. We'd love to have you. It's a dinner and discussion seminar where you can learn about retirement planning and some of the common retirement mistakes. If you want to RSVP, you can do so at any time on ncwealth.com. That's ncwealth.com. See the list of upcoming events. Space can be limited, so if you want to attend an event soon or one of your particular choice, be sure to sign up sooner rather than later. ncwealth.com, the place to go to sign up for a future dinner and discussion seminar where we'll talk about things like the annuity trap and the danger of not having an income plan and what happens if you're still investing as if you're working. When you're retired, what are some of the problems that occur in a financial plan when that happens? We'll tell you all about that and we'll illustrate it all with some great case studies and examples to show you the power of a proper plan. Call or text as well to get in touch and to request information about upcoming events. 512-492-3800. That's 512-492-3800. Or go online to ncwealth.com. That's ncwealth.com. All opinions and information expressed by the speakers on this show are solely the opinions of those speakers and not those of Noble Capital or any of its subsidiaries or affiliates. All opinions are based on information the speakers consider reliable. Opinions and information are provided as is for educational purposes only, cannot be guaranteed or warranted, may change without notice, and may not be corrected or updated. Opinions and information should not be construed as an inducement to invest and offer to buy or sell securities, nor as legal tax or investment advice, nor do they take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and are therefore not necessarily intended as recommendations suitable for you. You must make an independent decision regarding investments and strategies mentioned on this program. Neither the speakers, Noble Capital, or their affiliates guarantee any specific outcome or profit. Past performance is not indicative of future results and all investments involve inherent risk of total loss. Strategies and investments fluctuate in price and value and investors may get back less than they invested. You should seek advice from independent financial investment and legal counsel before making any financial or investment decisions. Transmission of information through this program is not intended and does not create an advisor-client relationship between you and Noble Capital. Information provided on this program may reference other service providers, including websites operated and maintained by third parties. The provision of such information does not imply responsibility for or an endorsement of any third-party information, opinion, recommendation, or investment product. Reproduction, distribution, republication, and or retransmission of any portion of this program is prohibited without the prior written consent of Noble Capital.